Generations Church Podcast. Good morning. It is good to see everybody here today. Hey, we um, are jumping right into our message today. We're in a sermon series called Asking for a Friend, and you've seen it, I've seen it on social media where somebody asks a question, um, and a lot of times now it's, a, it's like for fun or somebody trying to be funny, um, but you've seen the questions asked, and then it'd be like dot, 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 asking for a friend, and so I started trolling the internet this week. Um, I had to be really careful um, because there were some just really inappropriate things, too, um, that I saw. But questions, all-time funniest questions, uh, uh, asking for a friend questions that have been presented on the World Wide Web because everything you read on the Internet is true. Um, and so um, I'm going to be giving you just a, several of the ones I found really funny the next few weeks as we get, get, get going. And so um, four funny asking for a friend moments here. First one was this. Let's just say a 35-year-old man wanted to go see the Miley Cyrus concert. How could he go and not look creepy, dot, 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 asking for a friend? How many days can I go without showering, asking for a friend? Um, that's just nasty. Uh, but what is the appropriate number of hours a day for a grown-up man to spend trying to make a real lightsaber, dot, 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 asking <laughs> I think that's a legit question. Um, I'm just saying. And then this is just weird. Is it weird to be attracted to a CGI Disney character with ice powers? Dot, 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 asking for a friend. Um, Here's the deal is that we have a lot of questions, a lot of things that have come in in this series, and today we're going to be talking about asking for a friend, and, and as we get started, I want to talk to you a little bit about Offspray. Uh, I, I, we, we moved, and where we moved, there's a lot of trees, there's a pond, and um, there are a lot of mosquitoes as a result, and about a year ago, I got a mosquito bite right on the back of my knee. Um, and it got like infected. My wife swore I had MRSA. She's like, that's MRSA. I swear, that's MRSA. You need to go to the hospital. I'm like, it's not MRSA. Calm down. Um, I'm going to be fine. Um, and so I called my friend, Steve Newsom. I was like, Steve, Dr. Steve, can you come check this out? He's like, yes. It's probably just a pimple, Justin. I'm like, I know. Um, but it's a weird place for a pimple, Steve. Um, but he came, he looked at it, he's like, oh yeah, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty nasty. I mean, it was, it was big. It was hard for me to bend my knee because it had gotten swollen. And I'm like, so what do we do? He's like, well, we got, we got a, we got a, he used a fancy word for pop it. Um, I, I, I'm like, we got a pop it. And he's like, yeah. He goes, just stand there. And I was wearing shorts. And he grabbed the back of my knee and just started squeezing to where his hands started shaking. I don't know if you've ever had the back of your knee pinched. That skin right there is sensitive. And I'm pretty sure I let out a high pitch. <laughs> why, why he's going to town, his hands are shaking. And I mean, nothing like explosive happened, thank the Lord. So Steve wasn't gagging and dry heaving. Um, but, you know, it just was, it was painful. And so I, I, I realized from that point on, when I go outside for an extended period of time, I put on off buck spray because I want to keep the mosquitoes off. See, that's why they named it off. Some of you are like, oh, um, 
Never made that connection. Um, because the great thing about bug spraying is why it's not 100% proof. It does help deter some of the mosquitoes. And my daughter has asked me, my youngest daughter, Chloe, has said, Dad, when I go to heaven, I want to ask God two questions. Why did you make mosquitoes and wasp? Like, I don't understand the purpose of either of them, and I don't have a good biblical answer for her. I'm like, that's a great question, Chloe, because I don't either. But here's the deal. When it comes to offspray, I wish they made some sort of offspray, some sort of, uh, of deterrent spray that you can make, not just for mosquitoes, because that's great, but, but for hurt, for pain, for heartbreak, um, that you could spray and that you could keep it away from you, that you could keep it from entering and hitting your life, especially pain from other people, that other people inflict that you didn't ask for. But you know and I know There is no such thing as this for pain and hurt when it comes to our life. And pain and hurt is just part of living. As parents, we take great, I mean great, we go to great efforts to protect our kids from hurting themselves, especially when they're little, uh, from, from pain, from self-inflicted wounds, uh, and from other people, from them getting into dangerous situations that they don't realize are dangerous. That's our job as a parent. That's our role as a parent. Even as you've got grown kids and grown adolescents, you've got these, you're still trying to protect them from making too big of a mistake, too big of a regret, so that they don't wound themselves, hurt themselves, in such a way that it's really hard for them to recover. But the reality is this. Pain's gonna hit our lives at some point. Hurt is going to be a reality of your life at some point. And how do we we handle pain? How do we handle hurt? Because while pain, while hurt may affect our life, it's going to have an effect. It's going to have an impact on your life. Pain and hurt should not be able to control your life. So how do we keep pain and hurt from controlling our life? The question was, was submitted was this. How do we walk out and walk in forgiveness with those closest to us when the other person or people choose not to reconcile. What do, you, what do you do? How do you handle that? When you've got somebody who doesn't want to reconcile, when somebody has hurt you and they're not interested in saying sorry, maybe they're not sorry, what, what do you do? How do you handle forgiveness? How do you handle maybe better unforgiveness? Because the opposite of forgiving is unforgiving. The opposite of forgiveness is unforgiveness. And and how do you deal with unforgiveness that is in your life? The first thing I would tell you is this, is that if you refuse to recognize it, it won't get better. If you refuse to recognize pain, if you refuse to recognize that you've been hurt, if you refuse to recognize that you've been wounded, if you refuse to recognize that you have something that you need to forgive somebody else of, if you refuse to recognize it, it won't get any better. Now, I'm 
awful at this in a certain area of my life. When it comes to being sick, I refuse to recognize that I am sick. I am not a person that, that just like, oh, I'm sick. I can't go to the office. Oh, I'm sick. I can't preach today. Oh, I'm sick. I got a little tummy ache. No, no, I've got a headache. I must have this kind of migraine. Shut up. It's just a headache. Suck it up and go to work. You know, I, I, I refuse. That's just me. I don't want to admit ever that I am sick. And Casey's like, you're sick. I'm like, no, I'm not. I just don't feel good. She's like, no, you're sick. I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just tired. I'll sleep one night. And I, I'm it drives my wife crazy because I refuse to admit that I'm sick because to, to actually admit that I'm sick for me, for some guys in here, you're gonna feel this right now. I feel like when I say, okay, I'm sick, I am confessing that I'm a sissy. Right, like, oh, okay, I'm a total wuss. I'm a total sissy. I'm sick. I need somebody to take care of me. I, I just don't do that. Like, if I'm getting sick, leave me alone. Let me manage this on my own. Let me throw up on my own. Let me get better on my own. But I don't want to come to the point where I admit that I am sick. And some of us, that's where we are when it comes to hurt and when it comes to pain. And the reality is this. You can't get past it until you recognize it. You can't get better from it until you recognize, until you admit that you've been hurt, that you've been wounded. Because what begins to happen if you've been wounded and you don't recognize, you don't admit that you've been hurt? You know, we say this all the time as men. Oh, you can't hurt me. You can't hurt me. That didn't hurt. You know, especially with little kids. Come on, hit me right here. And they nail you. They frog your arm. You're like, mm, that did not hurt. You know, um, they get bigger and you don't realize how big your boy can bunch. You're like, hit me right here. And they just nail you, knock their eye. You're like, that didn't hurt. And you're like, I go to the bathroom. You know, and you're just, you're taking a break real quick to catch your composure because you don't want to show any weakness. And here's the deal. We want to say, well, that person didn't hurt me. That, that name didn't hurt me. But I could ask every single one of you, Who's somebody that called you? Who, what's the name of somebody that called you a name in mid-high and you'd be able to tell me their name? Mine, Brad Bible. <laughs> I, I could give you a whole school of, of people that called me names in mid-high, though. Let's be honest. But I remember people who hurt me, who wounded me. And you don't get better from it until you finally recognize it. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 through 10, out of the Amplified Version. I really love the way this reads. It says, but he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available regardless of the situation. For my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness, in your hurt, in your pain. Therefore, I, Paul is saying, I will all the more gladly boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. So I am well pleased with weakness, with insults, with distress, with persecutions, and with difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak in human strength, then I am strong. Truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing from God's 
strength. See, pain always, always has an effect on you, and we don't want to boast in our weaknesses, do we? Because we're taught you gotta be strong on your own. You gotta be a self-made person, a self-made man, a self-accomplished woman. You've gotta be this on your own, and yet the Bible says something completely, totally different, that when you're weak, man, that's when Christ's strength is really made perfected in you, and in your life, and in your soul. And when we refuse to recognize pain, what happens is it becomes something called chronic pain. And I'm about to get into an area that I have no expertise in, um, talking about medical things and talking, but, but what I do know about chronic pain, I know this much, is that if I have a left knee pain and my left knee is hurting me and it's causing me pain and I take ibuprofen for a week and it doesn't go away, um, there's a bigger issue than just some swelling. There's some chronic pain that is happening in my knee. And after a while, if I don't get that pain looked at, if I don't get that chronic pain taken care of, I'm going to compensate compensate for this pain on my right leg, and it's going to cause problems in my right leg because I'm compensating for the pain in my left leg. And can I tell you, the same thing is true of your soul. Man, if you refuse to admit, man, there is pain, there is hurt, there is unforgiveness in my life, what begins to happen is that it starts to affect other areas of your life. All of a sudden, you start distancing yourself from other people because you've been hurt over here. All of a sudden, instead of having uh, just an attitude and a climate and an atmosphere in your relationships of of trust, there is an atmosphere of suspicion, an atmosphere of distance trust, an atmosphere of no trust because you've been hurt over there and because you didn't deal with it, it's starting to affect this over here. Instead of your life being full of love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, instead of you living the fruit of the Spirit out, it starts affecting your life over here and your hurt, your unforgiveness has turned into something else. Because one thing I know about unforgiveness, it doesn't stay stagnant. It's always turning into something. And your unforgiveness may have started into hurt and it may have turned into unforgiveness, you being unwilling to let it go and to get past it because you wouldn't recognize it. But what I know is that all of a sudden it turns you into an angry person, that turns you into a mean person, that turns you into a lonely person, And all of a sudden, after a while, it turns you into a bitter person. It turns you bitter. And this one thing that happened over here, because we refuse to recognize it, because we refuse to, to, to really deal with it, all of a sudden has affected all the other relationships, all the other avenues of our life, because we never dealt with it over here. So what is unforgiveness? What, what, what is unforgiveness mean? Well, I, I started looking and I actually found something of all places from the Mayo Clinic. And I, I read their definition of forgiveness. I read their benefits and all the effects of unforgiveness and the benefits of forgiving someone. And I just wanna read this to you for a little bit because it is so, so good. From the Mayo Clinic, it says this. Generally, forgiveness is a decision to let go of resentment and thoughts of revenge. The act that hurt or offended you 
might always remain a part of your life, but forgiveness can lessen its grip on you and help you focus on other more positive parts of your life. Forgiveness can even lead to feelings of understanding, empathy, and compassion for the one who hurt you. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you deny the other person's responsibility for you, and it doesn't minimize or justify the wrong. You can forgive the person without excusing the act. Forgiveness brings a kind of peace that helps you go on with life. So what are the effects of unforgiveness? It makes you, it brings anger and bitterness into relationships and new experiences. It makes you become so wrapped up in the wrong that you can't enjoy the present. It makes you become depressed or anxious. It makes you feel that your life lacks meaning or purpose or that you're at odds with your spiritual beliefs. And the last thing unforgiveness does is that it makes you lose valuable and enriching connectedness with others. But what are the benefits of forgiveness? Leads to healthier relationships, greater spiritual and psychological well-being, less anxiety, stress, and hostility. Understand, the Mayo Clinic is not a Christian clinic here. This is not like the Jesus Clinic. This is coming from the Mayo Clinic. It helps to lower your blood pressure, fewer symptoms of depression, a stronger immune system, improved heart health, and higher self-esteem. Well, Justin, I, I just don't know if I can do that. Because you know what? what? What happens when I become sick is I think I'm the exception to the rule when I'm sick. When I become hurt, I think I'm the exception. Well, you don't hurt like I hurt, Right? It's what we did. You don't get sick. Like, when I get sick, I really get sick. You don't know what sickness is. You know, and you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) Whatever. Um, And and we want to make our experience the exception to the rule. And you just say, but Justin, if you would know, if you would know the hurt, if you would know the destruction that has happened in my life, you, you wouldn't be asking this of me. But I want you to hear something today in Psalms 34, verse 17 through 19, just a promise that God has for you. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the broken, brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I want us to stop just for a second. If you're hurting, if you feel broken, if you feel crushed in this place, God's not far away. This is his promise to you. It says quite the opposite. But God's right there. He's near you. He's right next to you. Parents, let me, let me just stop for a second. Let me, let me stop from my notes for just a second. Parents, when somebody, I can, I can watch Chloe play basketball as her dad, and when I see somebody foul her heart, I'm like, I hate that girl's guts. You know what I'm saying? I'm just being real right now. Justin, she's only 10. I don't care. I don't like that girl. She's a punk. You know, in case you're like, she is such a punk. I bet her parents are punks. I mean, that's just, it's what we do, parents. As grandparents, you aren't any better. Oh, that little grand, that kid hurt my grandkid. And you're just like, ah, you know, that's what we do. And when you see your kid hurt, man, it takes an effect here. Maybe your kid that's hurting, 
It may be your kid that's really going through it, but you're still dealing with the brokenness of seeing their dreams crumble. You're still dealing with the fallout of seeing their spirit crushed. And this morning, before we go any further, before we talk about any more, I just want all of us in this place to know this simple truth is that the Lord is near. He is close. He is right there to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He is there for them all. He sees you through them all. If you will just stay faithful, if you will stay patient, there is a purpose in your waiting. There is a purpose in your hurt. If you will just stay patient, keep hoping, keep looking, because it says the Lord is near to the broken and hearted and saves the crushed in spirit. He delivers him out of them all. So, how do we proceed? Once we recognize it, once we recognize it, so we can get past it, what do we do then? Well, we have to do this. You have to let go so that you can go. You have to let go so that you can go. I remember when I was a youth pastor, and I got, we did this youth auction to help kids raise money for camp, and for some dumb reason, I decided to auction myself off because I'm gonna help kids go to camp. And a guy bought me, and a, like bought me for $200, very valuable price. I was like, that's awesome. Thanks for buying me for so much. Um, and he bought me for $200, and I thought, you know, okay, we're gonna go have lunch. I'm as youth kids, youth pastors can be. No, 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 no. He had a steel plant, and he had me weed eat his whole steel plant in the month of July. Yeah, I'm telling you, I do not. I, I have mad respect for all of you that do manual labor because I'm a big sis. And I'm out there just weeding, and I'm. The joy of the Lord is not present in my life at this time. <laughs> there is none of the fruit of the Spirit that is activating in me. I am carnal. I am in my flesh at this point. And I've just been, I've been weed eating for five solid hours. Just stupid glasses. I'm like, glasses are for sissies, but I'll wear them. And I, I'm glad I wear them because stuff keeps hitting me in the face. I'm like, oh, that hurts. Um, and I have been holding on to the weed eater for so long that at the end of the day, like, I could not let go. My hands had seized up and cramped up. I was like, <laughs> you know, and I'm like setting it down and like, I can't, I can't, I can't move my arms, you know. I'm like, I can't do anything. And I could not get into my truck. I could not go on until I let go of what I was holding so tightly onto. And can I tell you, you can't go on with your life. You can't go on through life until you let go of what has happened to your life. You, you can't. Because you're going to be trapped and you're going to be seized to and you're going to be locked into what has happened to you and all the pain. And some of us, we are holding on to it for so long. And it's just like I talked about the, the scripture of 1 Peter 5, 7 during our prayer time, is that you aren't called to carry it, you're called to cast it. You're called to give all your worries and all your anxiety and all your stress away. Because God cares for you. 
So how do we let go? Well, we go back to our text from last week, you that were here last week. We went through the Lord's Prayer. It's found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. It says this, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We talked about that. We broke that down talking about it's got to be God's will instead of my will. Give us this day our daily bread. And here's where we say this prayer really fast. And forgive us our debts. We draw that out. God, forgive me of my transgressions. If you grew up Catholic, it was read trespasses. And forgive us our debts. We forgive our debtors. Just going to go through that. Because I want you to forgive me of my stuff. But uh, that forgiving other people of their stuff. I'm not so sure about that. And forgive us our debts as we Forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And most of us, this is where we stop, right? This is where we stop reading the Lord's Prayer. But, but I want you to understand the context of this. In verse 14, chapter 6, very next verse, it says this. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you. Well, Justin, that sounds, that sounds pretty extreme. Sounds pretty, pretty, just leave that verse up there for a while if you don't mind, Scott. That sounds pretty, uh, that sounds pretty extreme and radical. What's it mean in the Greek? Right? We want to, when we don't agree, with what's, what's another translation say? What's, what's it say in the Greek? What's it, what, what about, you know, let's really, here, here it is. But if you refuse to forgive, you know what forgive means? It means to forgive your debt. Literally what the Lord's Prayer is. To forgive a debt. If you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins, my sins. See, we want the, the message of Christ to be radical when it's something we believe in, but when it's something that applies to us, we want to water it down. But can I tell you, Christ preached a radical message so that it would have a radical life change for you and for me. And this morning, man, pastors don't want to touch this because people don't want to believe it, but this is straight from the lips of Jesus Christ himself, which is a pretty big deal and why we're here. He said this, if you're, if you're going to experience forgiveness from my heavenly Father, then man, you've got to forgive others. You've got to let go so that you can go. You've got to let go of unforgiveness. You've got to let go of hate. You've got to let go of the hurt so that you can continue in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because what happens when we have unforgiveness in our life, what happens when we hold on to the hurt and the pain is that we stagnate in our faith. And if you feel stuck, you're holding too much. Can I tell you, if you feel stuck in your relationship with Christ, you're holding on to too much. And you've got to let go so that you can go. This was a big topic 
forgiving others. This is a big topic that was asked. This is the second most asked question that came in for this series. And Jesus even revisited this in Matthew 18, verse 21 through 22. Peter decided, hey, I, I, I want to, I know what you said in Matthew 16 a few weeks ago, a few months ago, but, but let's follow this up, Jesus, because surely, surely you jest, right? Surely you're teasing here. Matthew 18, verse 21 through 22. Then Peter came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? I love, I love Peter. Peter's my boy. Because Peter says the wrong thing at the wrong time. He's the guy that puts his foot in his mouth every time. I can relate. I can relate to this. And, and I used to think, Peter, man, what a jerk. Seven times? Like, that, that's all you're going to give someone seven times? But, but here's what we need to understand. And the Jewish custom and the Jewish law, do you know how many times you were supposed to forgive someone? Three. And so Peter's coming to Jesus, and like, Peter's like, I'm, I'm the stuff right now. How many times are we supposed to forgive someone? Like, Jesus, how about, how about seven times? I'm going to double that three. I'm going to throw a one in for good measure just to look and show off in front of John, who's your most beloved disciple. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. Throw it in so that maybe I'm, you know, Peter's totally brown-nosing Jesus right now. That's what's happening. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Not, not seven times, Jesus replied, but seven, 70 times seven. In other words, it's an ongoing occurrence. It's an ongoing thing that never stops. And you may think, but, but they don't deserve it, Justin. No, they don't, but neither did you, and neither did me. And when you get into reading this text in Matthew chapter 18, right after Jesus says this, he goes into a story, he goes into a parable. I think that's why I use so many illustrations, because that's how I learn. And he goes into the parable, keep reading your Bible, and he goes into the parable of talking about the man that, that owed the king, the ruler, so much, and the king grabbed him, the ruler grabbed him and said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna kill your wife, I'm gonna kill your kids, because you owe me millions and millions of dollars. And the man begs, oh, I'm so sorry, would you please forgive my debt? And he's like, okay, you, you asked nice enough, I'll just wipe it out. And that guy that was forgiven so much goes out, and the guy that owes him like a couple hundred dollars in, in the parable, he grabs this guy by the neck, takes him to court, throws him in jail, because he wasn't willing to forgive the debt that was owed him, even though he had been forgiven for so much. And this is where this is coming from. And Jesus is saying, when you get an understanding of how much you have been forgiven from, you can't hold on to something that's been done to you. You've got to let go so that you can go. You've got to let go so this doesn't stagnate your life, so this doesn't kill your joy, so this doesn't rob you of your purpose, but that you may be able to live life and live it to its full. It's not going to be easy you gotta let go, because here's what I know about forgiveness. Simply this is forgiveness is a choice and not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice and not a feeling. I'll close with this. You know what, for, for most of us, you, you keep waiting to feel like forgiving, you're never gonna get there. 
If you wait to feel forgiveness, you're never going to arrive at that place because it's against your nature. You, you don't feel your way to forgiving your ex-spouse. You don't, for, you don't feel your way to forgiving someone who has talked behind your back that you thought was your close friend. You don't feel like forgiving somebody that you would call your enemy. You don't feel like forgiving somebody who has tried to ruin your life, who has destroyed your trust, who has, man, just, just hurt you. You're not going to feel your way there. You choose your way. You choose your way. And, and I love this quote. It says, when you forgive, you in no way change the past, but you sure do change the future. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul encourages the church in this. It says, bear with each other. In other words, put up with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Put up with each other. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. People are going to rub you the wrong way. People are going to say people are going to be people. Our job is to forgive, to let go so that we can go. In my house, there's a um, tree really close to our house. And in the process of them moving dirt around, they stacked a lot of dirt up on the tree. I don't know anything about trees. I don't know anything about yards, per se. Um, and so I was like, oh, that looks great. And um, we had a tree person come out the other day um, because it started turning a funny color. He's like, oh, that tree's gonna die. And I'm like, no, it's not gonna die. I mean, well, let's talk some hope into this tree, you know? Let's hug this thing. Let's hug this out. There's gotta be, there's gotta be some hope for this tree, you know? And he's like, no, 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 no. You, you pile too much stuff on it and it's killed the roots underneath. It can't endure what has been piled up on top of it. And sure enough, I mean, it's like he had the touch of death, the kiss of death. A week later, my leaves are turning brown. I'm like, well, that guy's the devil. <laughs> like pointed at it, die, you know? I'm like, don't come around my house anymore. You stay away. It, it couldn't take what was put on it. It, it suffocated its roots. It suffocated its life. It looked good for a long time from the outside, but on the inside, deep down, it was dying. And now there's brown leaves all over. The, it's, it's not coming back. You know, I'm like, maybe it'll come back. Maybe it'll turn around. No, no, it, it's, it's, it's she gone. Can I tell you, unforgiveness, hurt, pain, I'm not up here telling you it's easy. But forgiveness is for your benefit. It benefits you way more than the person that is receiving the forgiveness. Because it releases you and it allows your spirit to breathe once again. 
It's not making you carry and pile all this hurt and all this anger and all this bitterness and all this betrayal and how could you and you said this but you did that. It's not taking all this trust that has been ruined. It's not talking about all my dreams that have been destroyed, all the ways that you've hurt me, all the ways that you've crushed me. It's just saying, you know what? I, I, I've got to let that go so that my life can still live, so that my life can still produce life, so that I can still go after the things that God has for me. Some of you, you feel like it's all said and done, like it's over. It's not over. The God delivers the righteous out of all the distressful things. He's close to the broken and hearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. He's near you. He's next to you. So don't let what hurts you, don't let the pain that's affect you control you. But forgive. Let it go so that you can go. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. And Lord, I, this is a heavy, heavy, heavy topic. Because Lord, I'm not just talking about forgiveness. I'm talking about people's lives. I'm talking about situations. I'm talking about betrayal. Trust that has been ruined. Hearts that have been broken. Dreams that have been crushed. Opportunities, God, that have just been taken for granted and canceled out. And Lord, when we're on the receiving end of that, it feels so final. The pain's personal. But Lord, I, this morning, I, I pray the first thing that we would do is that we would identify it that we would recognize that, God, that we have been hurt, that we wouldn't keep pretending, that we wouldn't put our great Sunday face on so that nobody sees something wrong with us, God, but that we just have this moment. Lord, I pray that this would just be a very holy moment right now, just a very healing moment for someone right now. That, Lord, we've just been running through the motions. God, if I can just keep going, I won't have to deal with it. If I can just keep going, I won't have to deal with all the hurt, all the pain, all the brokenness, Lord Jesus. I won't have to be that crushed person in spirit. I won't have to be that brokenhearted person. But, Lord, I, I just pray that, Lord, right now there's a moment that happens for somebody. There's a breakthrough for somebody who doesn't live in denial but just says, you know what, I, 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 I've been hurt. I'm hurt and I'm broken right now Lord I pray that in this place we would identify and we would Lord there would be a moment of just saying I need help because it feels like it's the end and God in the process of this I pray that we would choose to come to a place of forgiveness, that we would let go of all the anger, all the bitterness that we've been covering up with hollow laughter, 
and distraction, God, that we would let go of all the pain and hurt, and it's going to take time for that pain and hurt to lessen. And let, But Lord, we would let it go, that we would not be a prisoner of what has happened to us in the past, but we would let it go so that we can attain the future that you have for us. Lord, I, I pray that in this place there would be a mending of broken hearts. And there would be crushed spirits that are finding themselves saved, that are finding themselves rescued. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name, with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. This morning, if you're here and you say, Justin, you know what, I, I, I don't know the Lord, I'm not where I need to be. Man, I've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life. We want to give you that chance right now. We want to give you that opportunity. It is your absolute most important decision you will make in your entire life. If that's you, when I count to three, would you just raise your hand, lift your hand. We want to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here this morning? You say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, there's one hand. There's two hands. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me today. I want to join these two hands that are lifted before we go any further in service today. Man, there's, there's a choice that I need to make because I'm not where I need to be. If you raise your hand, would you repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart? Jesus, I come before you today. And I confess that I have sinned, that I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life that you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm gonna live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or are in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv.